Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we welcome you along to the programme, which are halfway through the week uh, already, a very good morning. The email address is open to you 24 hours a day at uh, corktoday at c103.ie. And already some texts in asking me, did I watch the darts, the World Darts Championship last night? I did. I said I was going to watch it. And I did watch uh, Luke uh, Littler uh, in his now making it through to the final. And what a match it was. And I'm doing all of the cheering and the 180 and I'm really into it it's just such it's the speed of the game as well it's just so exciting to watch a nail biting uh, to watch but it is terrific what this young 16 year old uh, has uh, achieved he'll be 17 later on this month but it is just incredible and of course uh, tonight now he finds himself uh, in the final when he will be taking on uh, somebody else with the same name Luke but this time it's Luke Humphreys and actually I've been sent on a photograph that was taken back in 2019 of Luke Littler when he was only 12 and he lost to Luke Humphreys in a quarterfinals of a darts uh, event and now four years on they're going to be meeting on the biggest stage of them all and after tonight one of them will be crowned uh, champion of the world and of course whoever walks away tonight will walk away with a prize of a half a million uh, pounds and I did hear Luke Littler say that when he was chatting with his friends, obviously all his friends are, you know, 16, 17 year olds, that he had promised them that if he won big, that if he won any kind of decent money at the World Darts Championship, he was going to take them to a day out either to Blackpool or to Alton Towers. I think if he wins half a million, he might be able to take them all to Disneyland uh, instead. But it is, everyone is accepting that tonight is going to be Luke Littler's toughest uh, test. And looking at where he is in the ranking, before he went in to the tournament. At the start of the tournament, Luke Littler was ranked 164 in the world. And uh, so um, if he does well tonight, he certainly will be moving well up. If he wins tonight, they reckon he'll he'll get up into the uh, top 10. Uh, So the final of the uh, World Darts Championship is on tonight. Uh, Best of luck to both of the Lukes. 0818 103 103. Uh, John Paul taking your cause. Pressure is mounting on energy companies. Now, particularly the big ones like Electric Ireland and Board uh, Gosh to start to reduce their prices. Why? Because some of the rival companies are already continuing to reduce their their prices. So they're saying to the biggies now, come on, you guys, you need to move as well. The latest is the new player, uh, Uno. They've now joined SS. SSE Ertricity and Pinergy in announcing two reductions in their tariffs and they've done that just in the past uh, few months. Now, uh, you know Energy were just a new 
company that we were only uh, talking about around the summer, I think it was around August was when they actually launched, where they've announced that they're cutting their prices for the second time and that price cut comes in from today. And it's understood that the move is reflecting further falls in wholesale costs and it's the desire by the company to maintain its position as the cheapest in the market. So we know and the the figures are there to show that there has been a fall in the wholesale costs. So therefore, if some of the companies can do it, why can't all the companies uh, do it? Now, this latest reduction by UNO will knock 8% off their electricity fixed rate unit price. And if you are one of those people that follow the unit rate price quite carefully. It means for their electricity it will go down to 28.93 cent per uh, kilowatt and that's when you include VAT and that's bringing it down from where it was yesterday at 31.55 cent. Now the new rate is fixed so that means it won't change for the duration of the contract to which consumers will have signed up and that gives peace of mind to people. People like the idea that when they sign up for something we're going to have this fixed tariff and it will remain the same so people know for the next year for example if they're signing up um, roughly how much their electricity is going to uh, cost them. So UNO say that the total cost for a typical customer will be €1,480 a year and that works out at about €500 cheaper than the average standard rate from the other suppliers and that is a lot of money particularly for families who are really really struggling with the cost of living costs at the moment. Now, SSE Airtricity, their second price cut, we announced that and we spoke about that before Christmas, but that's not coming into effect until next month. So if you're with SSE Airtricity, you have another little while to wait for that. And suggestions that Uno's second cut was due to a failure by the company to meet targets for customer recruitment. That's been rejected by the customer or by the company. They say they've been delighted with the success since their launch last August. They say they've beaten their target. Their target was to attract about 10,000 customers between the launch in August and at the end of December and they say they have already done that. Now I saw David Carr. David is the founder and chief executive of the price comparison site Bonkers.ie, who we often speak with on the programme. Uh, he said that the price cut announcement from Uno Energy was certainly good news for electricity customers. He said Uno electricity rate would be the cheapest electricity price currently available and would remain the cheapest once previously announced rate cuts come into effect on February the 1st. The February the 1st ones are the ones from SSE Airtricity. So even when that reduction comes in, Uno will still be the cheapest. Pinergy, of course, they also announced two electricity price reductions in the past few months. But it's Electric Ireland and Electric Ireland really one of the energy giants in this country because they have one point. 1.2 million customers in Ireland. So they have the bulk of the customers in board. Gosh, and energy, they're also the big players. They've only had one reduction since the energy crisis erupted two years ago. So if the smaller companies can do it because they're saying that the wholesale costs have come down, why are the bigger companies not doing it? And if the bigger companies start doing it more and more customers then, uh, because they have so many 
uh, so much of the market and so many of the customers, more and more people will start to see price reductions. So we wait to see, will the others now start to follow suit or will it be up to customers to switch providers and by switching providers, you will be able to make uh, savings. I was talking about energy firms coming coming under pressure as some of the other energy companies are starting to reduce their prices and Uno, uh, one of the new players into the market, has now had a second cut in as many months and they are now the cheapest and will be the cheapest even when SSE electricity cuts come in on the 1st of uh, February. They will be the cheapest for electricity in this country. But Alan makes a really good point and something I should have mentioned when I was talking about Uno. Uh, Alan says, just on the price drop by Uno, this doesn't apply to their customers on pay-as-you-go meter because that part of the company is prepaid power and they're keeping those customers on a higher rate. And you're right, Uno is part of the same group that that owns prepaid power. They operate a completely different service model because the prepaid power, people buy electricity uh, credit and then use it to pay for the electricity that they consume. And we know that any of those prepaid be it prepay power or any of the other companies that offer that mode of paying for your electricity in advance, that is perhaps some of the highest electricity costs that you can entail. But for people who are on very tight budgets and need to you know, balance out their money very, very carefully and don't want to take the risk of a large bill coming in. They opt for prepaid power. But of course, by opting for prepaid power, they are paying more for their electricity. So yes, Alan, you're right. When I'm talking about Uno having some of the cheapest electricity prices available. It is for people on bill pay only and I should have mentioned that. So thank you for that uh, Alan. To 0862103103 We've been, uh, we were talking about speeding on the programme yesterday and in particular we were talking about the number of penalty points that were handed out last year across all of the different offences that you can pick up penalty points but over 70% of all penalty points issued during 2023 were for speeding. We know we have a problem with speeding on our roads and we need to do something about it. Well, lower speed limits on roads are going to be put in place at the end of the year. All of the local authorities have now been told they need to review all of the streets, all of the roads in the area and they have until the summer to do it to ensure that the measures can be uh, enforced. And I welcome your thoughts on is there a particular road where you live where you feel that the speed limit is too high? So are you very much in favour of what the government is proposing to lower the speed limits on so many of our roads? It's part of what's been seen as probably the most radical overhaul of speed limits ever on our Irish uh, roads. Well, not ever, but certainly for the past two decades. And it's the Junior Transport Minister, Jack Chambers, who's heading it up and he says he wants all the changes to be synchronised nationally. Under the new laws, speed limits will be lowered to 80 kilometres on many national secondary roads. They'll go to 60 kilometres on local and rural roads and as low as 30 kilometres in town centres and housing estates and any built up uh, areas. But in a new and a significant development, 
all of the local authorities in the country will be expected to carry out their own speed limit reviews. They'll have to do it by this summer and then that will give effect to the new regime which is expected to come in by the end of this year. Now there has been obviously a lot of concern about speed and about speed limit and about safety on our roads when we were hearing only yesterday that uh, 184 people died on our roads last year and if you compare that to the previous year it was 155 so it was a 20% increase uh, last year. So Jack Chambers as the Junior Transport Minister says the intention was to have this legislation enacted by the end of March and then they'll issue the guidance soon after that. It'll be the most substantial change to the roads system since we fully adopted the metric speed limits and when did the metric speed limits come in? Would you believe it was back in 2005. Now Transport Infrastructure Ireland obviously there's going to have to be all new road signage installed nationwide to let people know that the speed limit has changed. The cost of the signage is going to be 15 million uh, euro. Under the proposals the new default speed limit on a national secretary road at the moment it's 100 kilometres that will go down to 80 kilometres. The default speed limit for the network of local and rural roads Currently, it's at 80. That will drop to 60. And then your urban roads, and that includes any built up areas like through housing estates, through any of our town centres, all of them will get reduced to um, 30 uh, kilometres. And then other roads and routes around urban settings, they'll be set at 50. Local authorities will, though, have the discretion to revise speed limits uh, upwards. But it's only where the local authority feel it is safe to do so. Jack Chambers hopes that the changes will reduce the rate of road fatalities after that sharp increase in road deaths uh, last year. You know, and he used some examples. Like he said, he said for somebody, say, who's living in a rural house who decides to go out for a walk or a run down their own road, if they come, acro- come across a car that's doing 80 kilometres per hour coming around a corner and it's a single narrow road, the likes of that person are are currently being killed and he said we know for example 43 pedestrians lost their lives last year so he said something has to be done to protect the pedestrians uh, as well. Now they're not changing motorways, they're not changing safe national primary roads and they're not changing regional uh, roads. So it's a targeted change where we know that there has been uh, an issue. He said, unfortunately for many, speed limits are targets. If people were to go at 80 kilometres per hour on some of those windy rural roads where grass grows in the middle, there's a good chance they could end up in the ditch, they could end up killing themselves or they could end up killing somebody else. So he's hoping that some common sense is going to prevail. And certainly we would have heard locally here on this programme from people who would cite a road in their area, describing it exactly Exactly what what Jack Chambers has said, you know, a windy rural road with grass growing up at the middle of it and people saying, you know, it's absolutely ludicrous that the speed limit set on that road at the moment is 80 kilometres. Nobody could do 80 kilometres and that, you know, restrictions and speed limits should be uh, reduced. So we'll have all new this time next year. We'll be talking about all of the new speed limits. So they should be 
fingers crossed, be enforced by next year. So your thoughts welcomed. Is it the right move by the Junior Transport Minister, Jack Chambers? Do we need to reduce uh, the speeds? And by having the speed limit lower, will it get more and more people to slow down? Your thoughts are welcomed because something has to be done to stop the carnage on our roads. And, you know, we've started the new year. We're only at, what, the 3rd of January. And we have already seen three people die on our roads uh, so far this year. A woman has been uh, the latest. It's a woman in her 40s. She had died in a collision in County Kildare. Um, I'm assuming it was her two young children were in the car uh, with them. Uh, They are in a serious condition but uh, stable but uh, she was uh, killed uh, instantly. It really is uh, shocking and her death brought to three the number of people who have died on Irish roads since the start of the year. There was a man in his 40s died when the motorcycle he was driving was in a collision in County Cavan uh, yesterday. And then on Monday, New Year's Day, there was a man in his 20s died in Kildare after uh, a crash on the M7. So the new year certainly hasn't started uh, well. May all of their uh, may all of the, their souls rest in peace. As we've been hearing on our news bulletins this morning with Bam- the Gartha file in the murder charge against Richard Satchwell is now expected to be presented to the Director of Prosecutions this week. Richard Satchwell was further remanded in custody. It was at a sitting of Clamell District Court yesterday morning and joining me with the latest on this story uh, from our newsroom is news reporter Mairead Tui. Good morning to you Mairead. Good morning Patricia. And Happy New Year to you. Many happy returns. Okay, now this case uh, is such a sad case. Tina Satchwell went missing back in 2017. I suppose just remind us what happened last October that has brought us to where we are today. Yeah, so uh, last October, um, I suppose, yeah, as you say, it's a couple of months ago now, just late last year. And uh, Richard Satchwell was, he first appeared in court. I know you mentioned Clonmel District Court there on October 14th. And this was in connection with the alleged offence. Now, at that stage, um, Mr. Satchwell had been formally charged with the murder of his wife uh, the previous day, which would have been October 13th last year. And legal aid was granted in the case. Now, Tina Satchwell, a native of St. Bernard's Place in Fermoy, and was living in Yall at the time of her death. And she was reported missing on the 24th of March 2017 by her husband, Richard Satchwell. Now, after she was reported missing, Gardee followed a number of lines of inquiry, about 400 of those watched hundreds of hours. CCTV, they took witness statements from around 170 people and a major sea and land search was carried out by Gardee following Tina Satchwell's disappearance. And in March of 2018, you might remember, Gardee led a major search for Tina Satchwell in Mitchellswood in Castle Martyr in County Cork. Now, in March of last year, which was the sixth anniversary of Tina's disappearance, uh, Gardaí issued a renewed appeal for information in a bid to locate her. And she would have turned 50 last, or in 2022, rather. And um, this a bit about her background. She hailed from a family of eight and is survived by her siblings. And as we know, a number of vigils in her memory were held in Yall and in Fermoy. And a private a family funeral has taken place but as I say, it was October 14th last year when uh, Richard Satchwell first um, appeared in court. And uh, I suppose the latest in this case now, as you said at the, the start, Patricia, is that 
it's at an advanced stage, the Garda file is, and it'll be with the DPP by the end of this week. And that's what Clonmel District Court heard yesterday. Now, Richard Satchwell, he's 57, and he appeared by video link in the Tipperary Court yesterday morning. He was previously charged with the murder of his wife, Tina Satchwell, on March 20th, 2017, and at a location in Cork. And he was charged with murder after Garda found the skeletal remains of Tina Satchwell in October of last year and they were excavating a concrete floor and a walled up area underneath the stairwell of their home, which is in Grattan Street in Yall. And at yesterday, what the court was told, Superintendent Adrian Gamble told Judge Brian O'Shea that Gardaí had handed over the file on the murder to the state solicitor for South Cork, who's uh, Jerry Healy. And what Superintendent Gamble told the court is that he can assure the court that the entire file is with Mr. Jerry Healy and he said he personally oversaw that and that Jerry Healy has assured Superintendent Gamble that that file will be with the DPP this week. The DPP of course being the Director of Public Prosecutions. Now what Judge Brian O'Shea, he noted that uh, Richard Satchel has been in custody you know, for over 11 weeks and he said that he knows these investigations are complex but he said that you don't have to have all the bells and whistles attached before the file can be sent to the DPP. But what Superintendent Gamble told the court is, you know, the file contained expert reports and that these were outside the control of uh, Angarda Siakona. Now, what Judge uh, Brian O'Shea asked the defence solicitor, who's Eddie Burke, if Richard Satchwell would consent to either a three or four week remand. But Mr Burke said his client consented to a two week long remand. So Judge Brian O'Shea remanded uh, Richard Satchwell in custody to appear again in Clonmel Court on the 16th of January and Mr Satchwell will appear in court again that day by video link yeah, on the 16th of January. You know, I was reading uh, this morning some of the some of the reports, you know, they're waiting on things like uh, reports from the state pathologist, from forensic, forensic, ar- forensic archaeology, anthropology, state laboratory and toxicology reports. There's so many different strands to this case they, uh, uh, and I can see why they really want to have all their ducks in a row. They really do. And as as the judge said, you know, he appreciates and he knows that these investigations are quite complex. But I suppose where he was coming from was that, you know, you don't have to have all the bells and whistles attached before sending it to the DPP. But of course, when a guard investigation is underway, as you say, they want to have all their ducks in a row, all the I's dotted and the T's crossed in, in such a case like this. And um, I suppose by asking, you know, for that longer remand um, might have allowed them more time. But of course, you know, client Mr. Satchwell consented to that two week long remand and, you know, to appear again on the 16th of January this this month. Uh, Now, what he did, um, they did say in court yesterday, um, Eddie Burke, who is Mr. Satchwell's uh, legal representative, a solicitor, you know, made an application under the Police Property Act of 1897 for the return of the keys to Richard Satchwell's home at Grattan Street in Yall. And this, of course, is the property where the body of Tina Satchwell was recovered last year. Now, what Detective Sergeant Gerard O'Shocknessy of Middleton Guard the station told the court that uh, Richard Satchwell's house was no longer deemed a crime scene and that the keys would be returned uh, to the solicitor of the accused. So that happened yesterday as well. I suppose just looking back on, you know, other court appearances, as I said, he first appeared on the 14th of October, but since then, um, Richard Satchwell was denied bail at a high court sitting at Clover Hill Court and uh, they objected at that stage to bail saying that 
the accused was a flight risk. And at that stage, um, Judge Siobhan Langford, who refused that application, said that Richard Satchwell faces very serious charges. Um, she said the most serious charges on the criminal canon. Yeah. And was that unusual uh, to hear about the keys to the, the house to, to Grattan Street? Because that property belongs to Richard Satchwell, doesn't it? That's my understanding, yeah. And I suppose, you know, that's where you have to wait till a property is not uh, no longer deemed a crime scene to be able to get those keys back and I suppose to, to gain access, whatever may happen with that house. But that application came yesterday under the Police uh, Property Act. And I take it that these applications, you know, have to be heard in court. And uh, and as I say, those keys now Were will returned. be returned to okay. Eddie Burke. OK, but as you say, uh, bail has not been granted and Richard Satchwell uh, remains in uh, custody until the 16th of uh, January. No doubt we'll talk to you again on uh, following that date, uh, Marie. But before we you go just on, on another story. This is a breaking news story. Uh, a body of a man recovered in Cork Harbour yesterday afternoon. What's known about that case? Yeah, that's it. So a post-mortem is going to be carried out on the body of a man that was recovered. And Gardaí confirmed to us, Patricia, that the discovery was made at Rushbrook near Cove and that a file now will be prepared for the coroner's court. Now, in this search and recovery operation, a Coast Guard units and volunteer boats were involved. You know, you'd agencies like the Mallow Search and Rescue and Cork Missing Persons, they'd been carrying out a search of the River Lee since before Christmas. Um, and what the Department of Transport have told us is, you know, a formal identification of the body is awaited. And of course, at this stage, um, my thoughts go out to the family yeah. um, of the deceased. But this is a, a post-mortem exam is, is what's going to happen next and formally identify uh, the body that has been recovered yeah. yesterday afternoon. Great sadness for the family involved, for sure. OK, listen, Mairead, we leave it there. Thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the Thank programme. You, Good morning to you. That is Mairead uh, Tuig, our news report. I mentioned about the uh, junior minister for transport, uh, Jack Chambers, and his uh, proposal uh, to bring in new speed limits on our roads. And there's going to be a lot of talk about this uh, during the year because all of the local authorities now are going to have to take a look at their own roads uh, and decide on what is the correct speed limit for their roads. And we're talking about the amount of people that have died on our roads uh, last year. And we're already starting 2024 and it really isn't looking good. I think we're on day three and already three people have lost their lives in road traffic accidents. Uh, Tim said reducing the speed limits will make no difference whatsoever. People will still speed. Driver attitude is the problem. When you see accidents happening on motorways and on dual carriageways, when all the traffic is travelling in the same direction, the problem then surely is the drivers. We need more road policing and we need more speed vans. Uh, People need a deterrent in order to get them to uh, slow down. And actually we were but it got cancelled at the last uh, minute. Uh, we were hoping to talk about speed and and that the need for more guard the policing on uh, the streets. We were hoping to speak with uh, Park uh, today, but unfortunately, Susan Gray, um, there was an issue came up and she wasn't available, but it is something we are going to be addressing because we have less 
police in the road units than we had in the past and people are saying there's a direct correlation between that and the numbers of people that are being killed on our roads. 0818 103 103. I can see a lot of commentary coming in on speeding and I will get back to it but I just want to move to a different topic because a global survey that was sent to 79,000 businesses worldwide including 7,000 here in Ireland has given a snapshot of how small and medium businesses feel as they head in to the new year. To discuss the results from an Irish point of view, I'm joined by Maura Grassick, who is the Chief Operating Officer with Peninsula Ireland. Good morning to you, Maura. Good morning, how are you? I'm very well and you're welcome uh, to the programme. I suppose everyone is feeling the effects of the rising cost of living. Am I right in thinking it is the very same for the SMEs? Absolutely. So there's quite a lot of cost challenges for SMEs at the moment. I mean, this year we're going to see um, the increase in relation to statutory sick pay, and then we've had an increase in minimum wage uh, that came into effect on the 1st of January. So all of these um, extra costs are having a real impact on the SME market at the moment. Um, and they're really feeling it. Um, and obviously concern in relation to labour shortage, rising costs, etc. are all challenges that the employer faces at the moment. Yeah, labour shortages certainly is something that has been a big focus, certainly right across uh, last uh, year in a whole host of uh, different uh, sectors. What are are SMEs saying and and how are they reacting to worker shortages? So really this year out of the survey, we have seen that Irish employers are really focusing on new ward recognition and trying to retain the staff that they have. Um, we've seen a, a significant increase in relation to training and upskilling employees. Um, and that seems to be a focus for the SME market at the moment, ensuring that they keep their staff and that they're trained to a really high level. Um, and that works both from an SME perspective on the employer and the employee. You expand the skill set, but also the employer gets a, a more loyal, I suppose, employee and are happy to stay with them when they see progression and development for themselves individually. Yeah, so em- employers certainly are doing everything that they can to try to retain the staff. Yeah, and um, we've seen, obviously, we've come through the pandemic and we've seen the whole working from home. We've moved much more now to a hybrid working environment. So we have a number of businesses now that will have uh, flexible working in place. And that's something that we expect to see continue um, as we go into the future. But we also see that they're focusing more on that training element and that uh, development piece on employees as well, which seems to be much more of a focus this year than it was last year. And the labour shortage is, is, issue, more because as I mentioned at the outset, this was a global survey. Is that reflected around the world? Yeah, across the board. So it's in every country, every um, location that we're in, employers are really challenged in relation to labour. Um, and that seems to be a consistent trend across that survey. Um, and it was last year as well, but it seems to be growing um, momentum again this year. And remote working, is, is, is that feature in all other countries as well? Is that, is yeah. That, yeah. That's become yeah. one of the success stories, I suppose, since the pandemic. Yeah. I think so. I think prior to the pandemic, people were probably a little bit nervous and apprehensive about it. But obviously, people had to adapt pretty quickly and that seems to be continuing. Uh, we expect that in Ireland, from the employers that we surveyed, 31% of them are actually continuing to look at hybrid working and hybrid working arrangements. Um, and that's really to attract and retain um maybe people that aren't in the employment market for at the moment or people that are looking for a different type of work-life balance. Um, hybrid working works well. For some organisations, the challenge is that some businesses such as retail, hospitality, etc. doesn't have that luxury and they have to look at other things. And what we're seeing in those industries is that they're upskilling and they're training the staff 
um, and that's another um, area that has been impacted as well. Okay, but overall it would be rising costs, I take it, are the biggest concerns for the SMEs. Rising costs and one of the other things that has come out of it as well, that some of our um, SMEs have commented their concern in relation to accommodation and the cost of rent. Um, they find that a challenge, so people are finding it more difficult to move around and move from county to county on the basis that there is a lack of accommodation and, and the cost of rent is causing a concern from them as well. Yeah, that does become an issue, doesn't it, for employers that even if they find somebody to do the job, to fill the vacancy, the person may not be able to take up the job. Because they can't, I mean, it's, it's a massive problem. Dublin in particular would be a huge problem, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, obviously we see it in Dublin, but I don't think the rest of the country have got away with it either. I think, you know, particularly in the bigger cities of Cork and Limerick, etc., they also have that challenge as well. So when employees are looking, for example, to relocate or maybe move back home, they find that a real challenge in relation to the fact that they can't find accommodation or be that they have found employment. So housing trickles all the way down even to the to the SMEs? Housing be. issue. All right, listen, Maura, we leave it there. Thank you for that and thanks for Thank joining you. us this morning. Good morning to you. That is Maura Grasick. And Maura is the Chief Operating Officer with uh, Peninsula Ireland on that gl- global uh, survey. And not surprising, I suppose, to hear that rising costs is affecting many of our businesses. I thought the remote working one was, it was interesting, though, because... I would have thought a lot of people now have returned to the office after the uh, pandemic, but a lot of businesses are realising if they want to retain their staff, they are going to have to uh, give them the option of working from home maybe a couple of days a week or maybe full-time working from home, but they need to give people uh, that option. And actually, there are, are a number of new employment rights that are coming in that were uh, put in by the government and are going to come into force uh, this year. I mean, we've already kicked off the new year with the the minimum wage. That has gone from €11.30 to €12.70 an hour. And that's for anybody at work over the age of 20. And that came in on the 1st of uh, January. So that's for, certainly for people on the minimum wage. That's uh, something that they very, very much uh, welcome. Now, employers under the age of 20, like 19, 18 and under the age of 18, they are also getting increases. But it's those over the age of 20. The minimum wage now is set at €12.70. Uh, and of course, we know that the government's aim is to replace the minimum wage with what has been spoken about as a living uh, wage and the living wage is worth 60% of the median wage and they're hoping to have that in by 2026. That will work out if it goes, if it comes to pass, the minimum wage would be around €15 an hour and €15 an hour is what the experts deem a living wage because how often do we speak about the working poor? We have people who go to work and who are on the minimum uh, wage and just cannot make ends meet. So if we have people on a living wage, we know that if they go to work every day and they're on a living wage, then they least will be able to put food on the table and pay for the roof uh, over their uh, head. But if we head to a living wage of that €15 an hour, it would mean the wage costs would go up by 25% and you'll straight away hear from those small and medium enterprises that I've just been reflecting on and speaking about you'll hear many of them saying that they couldn't afford to have labour costs go up by uh, 25%. But the workers working from home are doing remote or flexible working. From this year workers will be able to request 
remote and flexible working. Now, the, the legislation has been signed into law, but it hasn't commenced yet. But it is due to be rolled out at some stage this year. We're just waiting on the Workplace Relations Commission to draw up a code of practice. That will be interesting to see what happens when that code of practice is put in place because people then will have the legal entitlement to request remote or flexible working and it will be up to the employer to give the reasons as to why they don't want the person uh, to uh, do it. Also this year we have of course the new National Pension Auto Enrolment Scheme. Now that's not expected to come in until the second half of this year but when it does it means that workers between the ages of 23 and 60 who do not have an occupational scheme and when they earn €20,000 or more a year, they will be automatically enrolled into this proposed new scheme. What will happen is employers, workers and the government will all contribute. Now, workers will have the option to opt out, but they have to stay in it for a minimum of uh, six uh, months. Now, Maura also mentioned one of the things that is going to affect businesses this year, but certainly will be welcome from employers, is that employees are entitled to extra sick pay. At the moment, it's three days of paid statutory leave. The, that increases to five days. That came in actually on the 1st of January. The five days sick leave is paid by the employer and it's set at 70% of the pay subject to a maximum daily pay of €110 uh, euro. in order to qualify for that more statutory sick leave. You must have been with the company or the employer for at least uh, 13 weeks. There's better parental leave. Parents leave is due to run from seven to nine weeks and that's not coming in until August and the leave is available for parents whose children are two years or under and they can apply for the parents' benefit from the Department of uh, Social uh, Protection. And this might be of interest to some people to hear that more workers will be able to find out what is the gender pay gap at their workplace. Employers with 250 or more Employers were required to report on the gender pay gap for the first time last year. But from this year, all employers with 150 workers or more will have to report what is the difference in the gender pay gap. And the deadline will come in in uh, December of this year. Now, Mary has WhatsApp to 0862103103 and she is trying to get a copy of the Donna Rail memory book. Now, we featured it on the programme uh, before Christmas and it's this wonderful, wonderful book that's been put together full of glorious photographs of Donna Rail down through the years. And Mary is trying to buy two copies of it and she has failed. She uh, even popped into Easton's in Mallow. She's tried various shops in Donnerail and she's passed us on her, her telephone number. Does anybody know if any of the Donnerail memory books are still available for sale? I know on Christmas week we had a call in where we heard that they were completely uh, sold out. I don't know whether the people behind the Donnerail memory book are going to go back to the publishers and try and get more published or not. If anybody in Donnerail can let us know because it does look like uh, they, they sold out very, very quickly but there are people still looking for copies. So Mary, we'll see if we can find out but certainly I know Christmas week they were completely sold out uh, everywhere. So unless they have decided to to print more copies 
I don't know where you're going to be able to get not one but you need two copies of it so if anyone in Donnerell can help us with that one please do 0818 103 103 on energy and the cost of energy and the fact that some energy companies are starting to reduce their prices but not all of them are doing it. Jason Bandon says I feel the more energy companies that operate in Ireland the better it is for the consumer. As what does competition do? It drives down prices. It's amazing. We have so much competition in every other sector but we still seem to lag behind when it comes to competition within broadband and electricity providers. Well we have a good few electricity providers uh, at this uh, point Jason and even looking at you know what has been announced in the reductions the difference between the cheapest and the dearest they claim a typical customer could save 500 euro a year. I mean that's a lot to be saved just on the providers that are in the, com- the country at the moment. Alice in Mitchestown what she particularly likes about you uh, know power that we've been talking about who've reduced their prices again from today is you can monitor how much you use. You can check the app and it lets you know your usage on appliance, lights etc. She said she had similar with Electric Ireland. If others follows this she feels it is a way for everybody to save money on their bills. You can keep a track of your usage. Well that's more to do with your smart meter Alice than with the actual company. Once you have a smart meter every company will provide you with that kind of information and yes it's up to all of us to try to reduce our energy bills particularly when electricity is so expensive at the moment. And then on roads and road fatalities and the fact that the government now are looking at reducing the speed limits on all of our roads and they're putting it the onus very much onto the local authorities who need to now do an audit of all of the roads in their county and uh, come up with uh, speed limit reviews. That's got to be done by the summer because it's hoping that a new regime on lower speed limits will kick in by the end of this year. Denny in Canturk says I, he thinks it's the quality of the roads that are causing the accidents. People, for example, are avoiding potholes and they're having to swerve and when they're swerving it can and it does cause accidents. Miriam in Ballyporeen works in Cork City so therefore she is to commute a lot from the county areas into the city. She feels that some people are on the roads and they're not confident enough with their driving. If that is the case then do not go on the roads particularly during peak hours as all you are doing is frustrating other drivers who then ultimately might take a risk passing out a nervous driver and it usually takes place at the wrong location. These drivers risking their lives are wrong also but our roads are gone so busy these days people need to be confident to deal with all of the extra traffic. Miriam says for example at night you can come across cars that when an oncoming car turns the car they break suddenly people because they cannot deal with the lights of the oncoming cars. I know newer car lights are LED and they can be brighter but Miriam says she's got relatives who opt not to drive at night because they don't feel confident driving against oncoming cars with their lights on. So she says if her relatives can do it, why can't others follow suit? If you're nervous about driving, don't go out onto the roads. She realises there'll always be emergency situations that will take people onto the roads. But overall, she says she thinks it's the capability of some of our drivers. They're just not driving correctly. And at the end of the day, we all share the road. 
Bill in Clannacilty says you do not have to go to college to figure out what is wrong. When we do not have enough bus drivers, children cannot get to school. When you do not have enough nurses and doctors, the medical system is in trouble. When you do not have enough Gardaí on the road, what is going to happen? There is going to be more deaths. There is no need for any investigations by civil servants into what is happening. It's plain to see it is labour shortages is the issue. We need more workers in a whole host of different uh, areas. And actually I did mention labour shortages when I was talking with Peninsula Ireland about their confidence survey for the small and medium uh, enterprises. And it's not just here in Ireland, there's a labour shortage right across the world. And that's one of the reasons why when people give out about uh, immigrants and why are people moving from one country to the other, we need a workforce. We need people to constantly be moving around to fill jobs that become uh, available. Somebody has suggested on labour shortages in this country, why not ask asylum seekers to work rather than giving them everything for free. Well, asylum seekers, once they're here three months, there's those who are looking for international protection. They can work. We did change the rules on that and we know the Ukrainian refugees, they're entitled to work from the day they arrive. So we do have a number of uh, people who are tr- who are here claiming asylum and also people who are here claiming refuge. We do know a number of them are already at, at work. And with regards to speeding, this texter says, why not have a special guard the force to deal with traffic only that will leave the other guardy to deal with more serious issues. Well we do have a traffic core, that's our problem. We've always had a traffic core within on Garda Siakana but unfortunately because Garda numbers have gone down in recent years, the knock-on effect is numbers have also gone down in the traffic uh, core and as I say it is an issue that we are ho- hoping to speak about with Park who are one of the road safety uh, advocacy groups because they're looking for more guardy to be put specifically into road policing and at least bring the numbers back up to what they once uh, were. Hi Patricia, they are talking about speed. Yes, people should know when to drive according to the condition of the roads. I would suggest that the driving test, part of the driving test, should be done on very narrow roads, particularly some of the narrow roads that are in very bad uh, repair. Uh, And also I'd like to cite an example of the N72 between Clonban and Cross and the turn-off for Cullum. There's a pothole there, and would you believe there are two cones on either side of the road? That's an ongoing issue as well. And I, I, do, I, I don't know if I'm quite understanding your text. Are you saying the pothole is so big that somebody, i.e. the council, have come out and put cones beside the potholes, the pothole, to let people know the size of it. If it is, that's a crazy uh, situation. Hi Patricia, while reducing the speed limit is a good thing, why isn't there more uh, done on cyclists going through traffic lights when they see a red light? You'll often see cyclists breaking a red light. Also for e-scooters, they seem to have no rules whatsoever. And then on school traffic, that's causing huge congestion that also needs to be addressed as too many people dropping their children to school and whenever we raise that issue we have parents saying that it isn't safe to allow our sons and daughters to cycle to school or to walk to school and it's one of the reasons that so many parents drop their children right to the school gate but yes you are right it does lead to massive congestion both at drop off and at pick up times. Hi Patricia being realistic here when do we ever see an accident on the road with grass growing down the middle of it. There should be something you could fit to a car and be rewarded by lowering your car tax or insurance 
if you stay within the speed limits for a few years uh, or even for, for, for the year. People only do things if they're going to get a reward. You can get limiters on your car. I know some younger drivers do it to lower their insurance, but maybe that would be good that every car gets fitted with some kind of a device and if at the end of the year you can prove that you stayed always within the speed limit, you would get rewarded. I mean, it would work. I mean, certainly rewards, it's a bit like penalties uh, are a great deterrent, but rewarding people also, it works uh, the other way. And uh, hi, Patricia, on roads. Yes, speeding is a problem. But the local councils have to look at the problem of the surface of our roads, the potholes, for example, bad signage, hedging that's growing out in the middle of the road. You can't improve one without the other. We were driving on the N22 on our way into ovens. There are lots of uh, potholes they need looking at by the transport engineers. So a lot of people, I think, making that same uh, point that if you want to do something about speeding, you need to look at the conditions of the roads. Actually, am I going to... Um, no. Um, we need to do something. We need to just make sure that the road conditions, a lot of people are saying it is the road conditions. And in fairness, when the Minister was talking, when Minister Jack Chambers was talking about this radical overhaul of the speed limits, he did actually talk about roads, windy rural roads that have grass growing up in the middle of it and saying that the speed limit must be reduced on roads like that. So he's even accepting that there are roads in in this country that has grass growing up in the middle in the middle of it uh, and he doesn't mention potholes but don't you know if there's grass growing up in the middle of that road there probably is potholes as well 0818 103 103 your thoughts and comments are welcomed you can text or whatsapp to 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Now Nazareth House Nursing Home they are looking for multitask assistance it's to work in laundry catering and the dining room full training will be provided CVs please to hr.mallow at nazarethcare.com Baker Finn they're recruiting for van drivers it's to cover the Cork and Kerry region email d.delaney at bakerfin.com Tria Oil Products have a vacancy for a truck driver for rigid and arctic deliveries it's in the Clonakilty and Bandon uh, areas you can call Owen at 87 7717035. And healthcare assistants with QQI are FeeTech Level 5 in older person care. Uh, wanted also for Nazareth House in Mallow. CVs to HR at Mallow at NazarethCare.com. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. A Fine Gael Tipperary-based senator has said many people living in rural Ireland saw their Christmas social and shopping seriously curtailed. Why? Well, it's due to the lack of viable taxi and hackney options. Fine Gael Senator Gareth O'Hearn is challenging the Minister for Transport, Eamon Ryan, to do more. And uh, he joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Gareth. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, Happy New Year to you and to all your listeners. And many happy returns. Now, before Christmas, we actually discussed this very topic many, many times on the programme. And Uber was the obvious suggestion from so many of our listeners. Have you any understanding why it isn't operated nationwide? 
Uh, yeah, look, like like your listeners, this is just a no-brainer uh, to me. It just seems like we have uh, a challenge here in rural Ireland where uh, people want to be able to go into towns and villages, um, but don't have the transport that you would have in Dublin or Cork. Uh, the, the problem essentially is the NTA, the National Transport Authority. But like Patricia, most people would have had conversations over Christmas with family about going out for a dinner or a few drinks or a work night out. And invariably, the conversation would always come back to, well, how are we going to get home? Uh, There's no taxis. And if you talk to parents of young adults, particularly kids that would be 18, 19, 20, there's so many parents in this country who get up at two o'clock in the morning and have to in the morning to drive in to collect their children uh, from a night out. And essentially what I'm saying is we have uh, an option here that should be looked at and should be uh, seen as a viable option for rural Ireland so that people who want to go into their rural town or village would be able to do so. Um, and it's essentially the National Transport Authority that need to make that decision. Uh, they seem to have no interest in delivering Uber uh, into rural Ireland. So I'm calling on the Minister for Transport to intervene uh, and and to deliver this for rural Ireland. Yeah, and many of us have used Uber in other countries and it is such a simple system that works really, yeah. really well. Yeah, like uh, most people, like uh, a lot of people might have went to went to France for the for the Rugby World Cup. Anyone who's trying to get to places would use Uber. If you go on holidays um, uh, to, to anywhere in Europe, uh, people use Uber. It is such a simple service to use and so easy. And there's absolutely no reason uh, why this wouldn't be a viable option uh, in rural Ireland. Like I speak to my colleagues an awful lot. I know my colleague in Cork, uh, Senator Tim Lumbert, had a piece on the Southern Star on this as well, uh, because where he's from is quite similar to mine. Uh, I come from a very rural area in Tipperary, in between two good rural towns of Cairn and Clamel. Um, and just a challenge for people uh, in terms of rural Ireland is rural isolation. Uh, and we need to make sure that we give people options uh, to be able to get into towns and villages. Uh, we set up a Department of Rural Affairs a number of years ago. Heather Humphreys is, in, is the minister for that department at the moment. And we're investing in towns and villages to revitalise town centres. But there's no revitalization that you can do better than actually getting people to come into towns and to come into villages and to spend money locally. And people want to do that. But if they don't have the capability to get in and get out uh, through transport, uh, well, then it's no They're not going to do it. And, and, what I'm... and have you heard from business owners who tell you that footfall is affected because of lack of taxis? Oh, like, like absolutely. Like the, the, the best example, Patricia, I have at the moment, actually, is in Clamel, uh, we have a new rural link bus service that just started the first week in December. In the very first week, two and a half thousand people used that rural link service. It had never been in the town before. Uh, and now it's been used every day by people who live just on the outskirts of the town to come in, to do a bit of shopping, to buy some clothes, to get to collect their pension, anything that they need to do, they can use that. What that says is that people in rural towns or live just outside rural towns want to come in and spend money in their local area, but they don't have the facility to do that. The rural bus link is very good, but it doesn't really facilitate for nighttime, yeah. the nighttime economy. Yeah, if you it, talk to any yeah. any restaurateurs, especially pub owners in small villages, they're essentially the taxi themselves. They yeah. bring their own customers home. And, you know, that's not the way it should be. And we've seen uh, restaurants and, and pubs close because of it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And the, the frustrating thing for, from my perspective is a lot of people talk about rural Ireland and rural Ireland is dying. And I, I actually don't believe that. I think rural Ireland is changing and uh, it's improving in a lot of ways. If you look at the last census, there's more people living in rural Ireland than ever before. If you look at the uh, since COVID, more people have the option of living in rural Ireland now as opposed to Dublin uh, because of hybrid work, because of people want to change their, their the way they work, their lifestyle, how many days they work in the office. So there's a real opportunity for rural Ireland to develop in the next couple of years, in my view. And when people move to the countryside, uh, they don't look at just the job. They look at services. They look at what this area has to has to offer. So when someone comes to, if it's Bantry or Skibbereen or if it's Clamel or Care, uh, they look at a job and they look at the financials of that job. But they also look at what does that area have to offer. Uh, and if we don't have a good transport system uh, for people and for families to get in and out from their own rural towns, uh, well, that's a that's a real detriment uh, to uh, attracting people and, to and an Gareth, area, in my view. Gareth, I remember last year uh, speaking about uh, a pilot scheme that was rolled out by the Department of Transport, the, the local Hackney pilot scheme. I, I, and I've heard nothing about it since. Do we know how that went? Yeah, uh, hopeless. The, the uptake has been very poor on it. They they picked one of the reasons is so the National Transport Authority don't entertain this conversation about Uber. Uh, they, they essentially said they didn't see a problem. They say the number of taxis that are in the country has increased, which is true, but that's in major cities. But then they roll out this pilot scheme to 21 areas across the country. Now, 21 areas isn't going to isn't going to solve any problem at all. But the interesting thing, in my view, is the fact that they've set out this scheme, which was basically to incentivize people to set up hackneys. So they'd give them €6,000 for the first 12 months to help them to get up and going. But the important thing is they wouldn't have set up this scheme if they didn't recognize that there's a problem in rural Ireland. So my argument is this is a recognition from the National Transport Authority that rural Ireland isn't being serviced uh, adequately enough. And that's why they brought in this scheme. But this scheme is not working. So my request is, why not look at the obvious, which is Uber? And if the NTA aren't willing to do it, well, then the Minister for Transport himself, Eamon Ryan, needs to intervene to do it. You know, he invests, he talks about public transport quite a lot, which is really positive and really good and welcomed. Uh, but we need all types of transport to be able to support people in rural Ireland. Yeah, and and that is the big problem, particularly when it comes to late night, when you live in a rural area. We don't have the luxury of the public transport, especially at night time. No, and, and like my concern always is, is about the young person who's coming out of a pub or a nightclub at two o'clock in the morning or half two in the morning uh, and can't get a taxi and is on the street waiting to be collected. Like that's not safe for anyone. Um, or anyone's child, son or daughter, to be waiting at half two in the morning to be to, to figure out a way of getting home. And we have a system that is very viable and has worked in, in, in loads of countries. And so many Irish people are used to using it in other countries. Yeah, um, they already have that the app downloaded. Be, exactly. That yeah. we, everyone, uh, if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow-up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Uh, most people who go abroad to use the app have the app here yeah. uh, um, um, so are ready to use it if it was actually rolled out but you know like we always talk about safety and, 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 and uh, being safe and people, people being safe when they're out and getting home and things like that well if there's no transport for people to get home it's hardly safe to be standing in the middle of the street at two o'clock in the morning uh, waiting for the one or two taxis that might be available on a Saturday night in a small rural town yeah um, Look, I like. I think there's just a lot of people who are who are retired that would be happy enough to be to 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 facilitate the service. There's a lot of students who would be home at weekends that would drive the car to collect people to make a few pounds at the weekend before they go back to college. I think there's a lot of people that this would suit uh, to be able to do it, and I just think the knock-on effect it would have in a, in a positive way for rural towns. Uh, would be really important. Yeah, and, um, and you're right, with, with the cost of living crisis and people trying to make an extra few bob, it is a way of generating extra income for people who have a car and have a bit of spare time in their hands. Yeah, like if you, if, if you do it abroad, you, you'd always see that the majority of people who, who are the drivers are young students yeah, who are just yeah. trying to make a few pounds um, to, to help themselves through college. Um, and it's such a simple thing to do. And all I'm saying is like, 
don't just knock it just because we 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 have we have a regulated system in place and nothing can be done like that works really well uh for places like dublin but it 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 does no service uh to to rural towns like clamell or cashel um or bandon or kinsale and cork uh, yeah. and like these are towns like there's a lot, an awful lot of towns that do really well in the summertime from from a tourist perspective um but in the winter time uh, hotels or uh, restaurants and pubs wouldn't have the same footfall and they need a constant footfall to come in during those uh, off-peak times and the best way to do that is to have a good transport system and a good service for their own local people to be able to get in and out because when I talk to people locally here in Tipperary they genuinely want to support their local restaurants their local pubs their local um, clothes shops Um but they can't always do it if they can't get in. Mm. Um, yeah, and it, and, and, it, it struck know. me over Christmas, you know, with the number of people who came home for uh, Christmas this year and we had a, a very, very busy year uh, through uh, Cork Airport, which was uh, fantastic. But it just struck me the number of expats who came home to visit at Christmas must have been left scratching their heads when they realised they couldn't get uh, a taxi. And I was out in a, a restaurant over Christmas and there was a group of five young ladies who were seemed to be from all over the world meeting up uh, at Christmas and every one of them was saying that exactly what you had said their mum or dad was coming in to collect them and oh I have to be gone at 11 because my mother has to collect my yeah, brother at half like, 11 I just know, thought my god this is ridiculous parents have done enough yeah. parents have done enough for kids by the time they get to 18 they're not meant to be a taxi service yeah, then for the ridiculous. next 5 or 6 it, years it, or even longer sometimes and you, um, you mentioned our own uh, Tim Lombard I'm, I'm assuming that you've got fellow senators all over the country who are oh, saying yeah. like, the same thing. Like, like absolutely. Like Michal Carragy in, in, in Longford as well, I'd speak to about this on a regular basis. Like uh, he owns a post office in, in Longford. And, you know, we're all from different parts of the country, but we all have the same uh, uh, vision for rural Ireland and what we want and what we hope for. And and I talk to Tim on, on a regular basis on this <clears throat> because a lot of his towns are very similar to mine. Cairn Cashel would be very touristy towns, a little bit like Kinsale and Pantry. Uh, and Skibbereen. And, you know, we're, all we're saying is we want the best for our area and our region. And we want people to have as, as simple of a, a, an access to come in, to get around, uh, to be able to enjoy all of the things that our areas have to offer. And this is one more addition to other things. Like we, we've beautiful greenways, we've beautiful investment uh, uh, in, 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 in other areas. Like we have a department of of rural affairs that was set up by the previous government, Fine Gael, <coughs> uh, um, where we're investing in rural Ireland. Heather Humphreys has pumped money into almost every single village uh, and town in the country at this stage. Um, but we need to make sure that when we invest in doing up rural towns and villages, that we actually have the capabilities to be able to uh, enjoy and and have have people living in those areas okay, 100%. Uh, uh, be able to come and in I, to actually enjoy I can see the facilities that are there. Flurry of calls in from people who are agreeing with you. Ian in Glanmire said, "I decided not to go out on New Year's Eve for the simple reason that Gareth has been outlining on your program. I didn't want to be hanging around Cork City at one or two a.m. in the morning looking yeah. for a taxi." doesn't feel safe. There are not enough uh, taxis. Surely we need Uber in this country. It must be also having a huge detrimental effect on the hospitality industry. And Eber like, Mallow uh, says, I agree, bring in Uber. I find it very hard to get a taxi these days. Yeah, and OK, Christmas time is good for good for restaurants and bars. But when Liam talks like that and says that he wouldn't come in because of transport, like how many people around Cork made that decision as well? And the impact that has 
on restaurants and bars and the hospitality sector is huge. And they, they've challenges. They've challenges in terms of uh, rising costs, energy costs, um, higher wages, sick pay. So there's a lot of challenges uh, for, for restaurants in 2024 and for bars. Um, if we have people that are making conscious decisions that they're not going to come uh, and spend money locally, not through any fault of their own, they want to do it just as just as your listener said, uh, but they don't have the they don't have the services to get in and out. Okay. Like that's just not right, yeah. and that's not good for our area. And all I'm saying is, really, rural Ireland deserves the exact same services that places like Dublin have. And if they have them, we will thrive going forward. Okay, bring it on, bring it on. And just before that you go, uh, Gareth, I've just realised when I spotted uh, your surname, Ahern, and you're talking about Clamel because I'm a native of Clamel. Your mother was the late Teresa Ahern. She was, she was. She was She was a teacher of mine in my Leaving Cert year. Really? Yeah. She was, yeah. I mean, she was, she was a maths teacher in, in, yeah. in, in the tech in, in yeah. Clamell. She yeah. absolutely loved teaching maths. And that's then, amazing. And then she, went um, on to be a TD, went on to be a TD. Yes. Yeah. She became a TD in, in 1989, um, uh, a female TD in, in the dawn in the eighties, which was very, very rare. Um, but funnily enough, Patricia, she, even after she became a TD and she was, she was there for 11 years, she, she passed away very, very young at 49. She did, breast, yeah. breast cancer. But she, um, she missed teaching. She loved teaching. Yeah. She loved she was a being a maths teacher as she well. She was a mighty woman. She was a mighty woman. Uh, I remember her fondly. Well, thanks very listen, much for that, Patricia. Listen, uh, Gareth, thank you for that. And uh, keep us informed on how you get on with uh, Eamon Ryan. You have a lot of support here in, in, in Cork for Uber, for sure. But listen, pleasure talking to you. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Thanks very much, Good Patricia. morning to you. you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Senator uh, Gareth Ahern, who is based in uh, Tipperary for the Fine Gael Party. Now, if you're still undecided how to dispose of your Christmas tree this year, you might consider bringing it along to the community centre in Ballinine next Sunday, where a Christmas tree recycling initiative is being run by the Ballinine and Enniskeen Development Association. Margaret O'Donovan is the vice chair of BIDA. And uh, Margaret joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Margaret. Good morning, Patricia, and wishing you a very happy new year to you, your family and all the listenership. And many happy returns to you and all of the gang at at BIDA. Now, this is BIDA Goes Green. Tell me what the plan is for next Sunday. Yes, indeed, Patricia. BIDA Goes Green is an initiative uh, done jointly by BIDA and the local branch of the IFA, the Irish Farmers Association. It it has two prongs, I suppose, to it. It's a fundraiser, number one, for uh, our station house renovation, but it's a fun day uh, for the entire community, and it's also a way to recycle Christmas trees in a sustainable and environmentally friendly manner. So we're asking people to bring along your Christmas trees. They'll be uh, mulched by uh, Ballinine Skip Hire, and the local IFA are organising all of that. And, of course, the mulch then will go back to our local Ballinina scheme, Tidy Towns, and all the local schools for their gardens. So it's really sustainable. It eliminates waste, it minimises it, it gives waste a new life in a very sustainable manner. I love so the idea of this. It's all part of the circular economy. Absolutely. And I love it's the a, fact yeah. that it's, it's the, the local Tidy Towns and the schools are all going to benefit from it. Indeed. And that is the, the aim and the goal of the project. It, as you say, it contributes greatly to the circular economy. There's no waste. But, of course, again, it's the entire community working together and uh, the whole motto, Ninartka Kurla Kela. That's what it's all about. Yeah. So we have the Development Association, we have the farmers, we have the Tidy Towns, we have the schools, and we have the local GA club as well, St Mary's GA club, because there are fun activities taking place for the community as well. 
in the community hall, while all this is going on outside, we have a model train display and, of course, refresh, refreshments. People can sit down and have their cup of tea and chat. But at 2 o'clock as well in the after, that afternoon, coming from the St. Mary's GA Club, which is adjacent to the Community Association Centre, and up along the walkway, we're going to have a children's pedal power toy run. <laughs> we're using West Cork. We have the tractor runs at yeah, night, but yeah. this is for the children. Their pedal power toy run whether they want to bring their tricycles or their little tractors or whatever, anything at all. And Santa Claus would have brought many of them this year. Absolutely. (laughs) And I've been told, my sources tell me, and the elves and Santa tell me that they got lots of presents of uh, anything at all like that from Santa. So we'd love to see them. And there's a pit stop as well at the community hall for the children, of course, and we'll all have a look at their lovely toys. And, I love the idea of that. That's, that's, that, is, that is fantastic. And of course, behind it all is your, your it's a fundraiser for, for the railway uh, station. Uh, and we spoke with you about uh, before Christmas yes. about it. How's it all going? And how but, It's all going very well. Thank you, Patricia. And we're very grateful to the businesses and members of the local community who have very generously donated to, uh, to the project. We have cleaned out the house and as well as that, the refurbishment on the roof will start in the next couple of weeks. So well, that's we're the well impo- away that's with it. The, so it's an the amazing roof, achievement. The roof is the important one because that, that secures the, the building. Roof, yes, I was saying that to you on our pre- in our previous conversation. The roof and the annex on the western side has fallen into serious disrepair. So that will be restored and fixed in the next couple of weeks. So it's wonderful. The community again has come together. The businesses, local people... And it's a great community endeavour. So this is just a continuation of it as a fundraiser, but also very importantly, I suppose, to keep in mind um, the circular economy dimension as well. We don't want to waste anything. No, it's important, no. I suppose. And, you know, we have the whole focus on sustainability and environmental, um, in, in my environmental friendly areas now. So this will feed into that as well. Okay, and it's it's nice that it's on next Sunday because all the children are back to school and take Absolutely. it on Monday. So it's kind of the yeah. last day of the, the Christmas holidays as well. It's, it's a nice uh, fun day. Absolutely. I, and, you know, it's, of course, the 6th, the um, as we say, yeah. Women's Little Christmas. We'll have the celebrations for on the 6th and then to close down the Christmas season here. We mark it with a fun day before children go back to school on Monday. Okay, and if if... It's, it's obviously local people will be able to bring along, your, along their trees, it's but you're opening to, to anyone across West Cork who has a Christmas tree that they'd like to bring anybody. along. Anybody. It's open to the entire community across West Cork and beyond. If you want to come to Ballinine in a skein on Sunday, you're so very welcome. It's open across the community, across West Cork, of course. So we look forward to meeting people from across West Cork and sharing stories. And for the children around West Cork, if you want to bring your toys, your, your pedal power toys as well. Um, and of course, little children and buggies will co- can come along as well on the walkway. So it's for entire West Cork and beyond indeed, Patricia. Okay. You'd like to come yourself, you're more than welcome. Uh, if, I tell you, if I was free, I'd be down there because I love the idea of the children all driving by on their little pedal bikes yes. And, yes. Tra- and tractors, etc. Okay, listen, good luck with it, Margaret. Thank you and so much, And keep us Patricia. informed on the update on the, on the station uh, refurbishment. But a uh, pleasure to talk to you as always.
Thank you. Grameel Mahagut. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is uh, Margaret O'Donovan, who is the Vice Chair of ABIDA, the Bananine and uh, Enniskeen Development Association. Mark that one in the diary for next uh, Sunday. I love the idea of recycling of the uh, Christmas tree. And just to let you know, because, of course, we are coming up to the 6th of January and it is the, the time when people will be taking down their Christmas decorations. And I know for some they've already taken down their Christmas decorations, but for others they wait until the uh, 6th. And there are a number of drop-off points across Cork City and uh, County. If you can't make it to the uh, to Ballinine on Sunday, we do want people to please dispose of their Christmas trees responsibly. So both the Cork City and Cork County Council, they've got their, once again, their Christmas tree drop-off service free of charge. And it's at 19 sites right across Cork. So no matter where you're living, there should be a drop-off point for your real uh, Christmas tree and you can drop it off any time through this the month of uh, January uh, for example they uh, if you're in Cork City you can drop it into the council offices at Glanmire anytime between 8am and 5pm there are ad- additional drop off points in the city Gus Healy Swimming Pool in Ballinlock that's adjacent to the Green Clash Dove Park in Toker adjacent to the Bringbank site in Ballincolic at the Regional Park on the Green also adjacent to the Bringbank site. Moormount Road, that's in Montanati, adjacent to the Green. Sam Allen's Sports Complex, that's in Grona-Brohor. The Tremor Valley Park, South Link uh, Road. And community groups are also, I'm told, organising collections for elderly or those who might need assistance and they're asked to contact the City Council directly if you have a real tree and you just have no way of getting it to any of the Bring sites. And then Cork County Council, as always, they're providing free Christmas tree drop-off services at all of their civic amenity sites and you can go any day in the month of January. There's four civic amenity sites in West Cork, Clonakilty, Derry Connell, Castletown Bear and in Skibbereen. They have three sites in South Cork, that's Bandon, McCroom and Raphim. Two in East Cork, one is in Rossmore and one is in Yall. And of course there's three civic amenity sites in North Cork, one in Millstreet, one in Mallow and one in Canturk and they are all accepting your Christmas trees free of charge. Please, please, please be very responsible uh, this year when you are disposing of your Christmas tree. But the one that we would really love to see a lot of Christmas trees head to is uh, down in Ballinine next Sunday and that's any time between 11am and 4pm. Somebody has asked me to mention a cancellation. Where is that gone? Could you please mention in your programme that the Canturk Person of the Year Gala night due to be held this Friday night in the Adele Quinn Hall has unfortunately had to be cancelled to a future date. The Canturk and District Community Council want to apologise for the late notice and the inconvenience caused to, to everyone and when they have a new date they will get it, uh, get it to us but it's off. It was due to be on this Friday night that's the gala night uh, for the Canturk Person of the Year off for uh, Friday. Please note if you are planning on going uh, to, along to that. Now on car insurance um, this was a suggestion that came in from a listener and Nancy and Bantry is picking up on it. Somebody had suggested that if we could all have some kind of a device fitted to our car whereby it would prove that you stayed below or at the speed limit, that you never broke the speed limit, that at the end of the year you'd somehow be rewarded, i.e. you might get a lower um, car tax or you might get lower insurance. Um, and Nancy's picking up on that and Nancy said, why would anybody be rewarded 
for doing what they should be doing. Driving within the speed limit, what, what are you doing? You're obeying the law. You're doing the right thing. It's a bit ridiculous to suggest that just because you're obeying the law that you should be rewarded in some uh, way. If everybody obeyed the law, it would be the ideal situation. But sadly, says Nancy in Bantry, it's not. What I suppose our listener was making the point, just do it as an incentive. We know that if there's a chance that you're going to cut speeding, people will reduce. Like, for example, if you know that there is a speed trap up ahead, you can actually see people slowing down in their cars if somebody starts flashing you know that there is a speed van up ahead and you'll see everybody automatically uh, slowing down because nobody wants to get caught so I suppose our other listener is saying well put incentives in place to people who do who are the law abiding people but Nancy reckons ridiculous suggestion we should all be keeping within the speed limit Mike the biker said it's speed it's people using mobile phones and it's people having no respect on our roads that's the reason they're the three main reasons why we are having so many roads Uh, fatalities. And then we discussed Uber on the programme with Senator Gareth O'Hearn who's suggesting that in particularly in rural areas we need to have Uber and if we had Uber it would allow people who might like just to work a couple of hours a week, might like to you know make a bit of extra money. I mean, Garrett made the suggestion a lot of students, it's a great way for students who have a car to make some extra money while they're still at college. And I know certainly whenever I've been abroad, particularly in Australia, and um, we used a lot of Uber uh, Uber drivers when we were in Australia and me being the chatty type of person, I'd always be asking people their stories and trying to find out what's going on in their world. I think nine out of ten times it was a student who was operating an Uber and they were using the to get them through uh, college and the belief is that something similar uh, could happen here in this country or as Gareth mentioned somebody who is retired maybe somebody living on the state pension could do with an extra few bob uh, and would like to be an Uber driver in their area and of course you decide which runs you want to do or what hours you want to do and it works so successfully in so many other countries why can't we have it here in Ireland Joe in Kilmadic says if a young person decided to become an Uber driver how does the insurance work for them, especially if they're new on an insurance uh, policy. Well, if you check with Uber, I know Uber have their own um, partner protection insurance, but I was just looking online there during the news when I saw that comment uh, come in from uh, Joe. And for example, in England, I just saw you can get special Uber insurance. There's one company, for example, in England are quoting uh, under £2,000 for comprehensive commercial car insurance, which you can use for both hire and then to use it as a private private vehicle. So there are special insurance policies. It's much less than what taxi drivers pay or hackney drivers pay for sure. But I know Uber themselves have a special uh, programme in place that protects all of their Uber drivers against the financial costs um, when it comes to uh, insurance. So as I say, it operates in other countries. There's no reason why it can't operate here. But somebody else says, do you honestly think that the insurance companies are going to allow Uber to operate in Ireland. And what about the Taxi Federation? It's never going to happen unless the insurance companies are going to be able to cash in on it. So somebody who reckons insurance companies have a lot of power. What I don't know if I've ever heard is the taxi companies, the taxi federations and the taxi groups, they're always against the uh, Uber drivers. Don't know if I've heard insurance companies uh, complain about it. And then John, on the issue of there not being enough taxis, particularly in rural Ireland. John is one of those people, and this is an issue we 
addressed, certainly on the programme last year. He's trying to get a taxi licence at the moment, but he said it's the test that you have to take to become a taxi driver is just too strict. You need to know every street and every area, even though you might only be deciding to operate your taxi in one tiny area of Cork. People are finding it very hard to pass that test in order to get a taxi uh, licence. And he reckons that's one of the reasons why there are not enough taxi drivers. Well, uh, the taxi regulator will say there are enough taxi drivers, but the problem is that they are in the larger urban areas. We don't have enough taxis in the rural areas. And I suppose that's got a lot to do with that they wouldn't be busy enough and they won't make enough money. That's where Uber would sort out a lot of that because they're just part-time uh, drivers. But we have heard that before, this this thing of asking people the questions of where is like on what street in Yall is the library, for example. And if you're down uh, on the Bearer, the Mizzen Peninsula, you might never need to bring somebody to the library in Yall. Why do you need to know where the Yall library is? And then my argument on that is, I don't know when that test was first brought into being, but surely now every single taxi that you get into have sat-nav or they just have their phone and they've got Google Maps on their phone. I was in Galway, for example, uh, last week and I, actually I couldn't get over it in Galway when we came out it was about one o'clock in the morning we'd gone to a, a gig that finished at one and when we came out uh, it was pouring rain we weren't that far away from the hotel but because it was raining so much uh, we said we'd get a taxi I couldn't get over there was a big line of taxis I thought it was going to be similar to Cork that we wouldn't have a hope of getting a taxi but it wasn't the case uh, in Galway and we jumped into the back of a taxi and it was um, a non-national who was driving uh, the car we mentioned the name of the hotel he straight away put it into Google Maps you know, and we, we were there in the blink of an eye, even though I did think he took the long way. But anyway, maybe he didn't. I don't know Galway well enough. Maybe there was one way systems or something. But anyway, uh, but we got there and we got there uh, safe. But he put it straight away, just put it into Google Maps. So I can't understand why any taxi person who wants to be a taxi driver has to go through this very rigorous testing of knowing all the different parts of Cork City and County. I always scratch my head on that one as well. So I'm with you uh, John and my heart goes out to you because you're not alone. We've heard from we'd one young driver, I think five times he had failed the test on that, not knowing where specific places were across Cork City and County. And then somebody else by WhatsApp says, Senator Gareth Ahern who you spoke with in the last hour about Uber was making a lot of sense. I live in the city, but a lot of my friends live far away, are indeed in different counties. As for expats, hiring a car when they do come home is also out of the question. The costs are absolutely astronomical. Yeah. If you have any family member who's coming home trying to hire a car, they're in for some shock. Those prices certainly went up after COVID and there's no sign of car rental costs coming down. Hi Patricia, this is from Morris. Just to balance out the argument, please, uh, please bring up the risk factors with Uber and in particular the drivers who would be unvetted and inexperienced drivers and even more importantly could be just out of prison for sexual offences or serious assault or even murder. Kind regards, uh, Morris. I, well, I'm sure that there's some kind of checks and balances Morris put in place on somebody's criminal background when they apply to be an Uber. And I go back to the point I made and Senator Gareth Ahern made. Uber operates in so many other countries. I mean, if it was the case that it was all criminals were deciding to become Uber drivers, surely you'd be hearing about the problems in other countries. If it hasn't happened in other countries, what leads you to believe that it's going to happen in this country? And I'm assuming that there is some kind of vetting 
rating system is in place. Thank you for your email to Cork today at c103.ie. And then on the condition of uh, roads, Mags is on to us saying Happy New Year to you all. Many happy returns, Mags. With regard to the condition of some roads, there is an almost permanent flood on the road just outside Kilbrin on the road to Canturk. The flood is now fully covering the road. There are potholes in the flood which are just getting bigger and bigger because of the amount of water that's on that road. But obviously drivers can't see that there are potholes because the road is so badly flooded. It's a ridiculous situation and it doesn't appear to be getting any attention from the council. Will they wait for an accident or a claim for the value of a car if it gets flooded? Thank you for highlighting this issue, says uh, Mags. And Mags, I'd be getting on to whoever your local council rep is in the area to find out that seems like a crazy situation if it's constantly in flood. Is there some, what's leaking out onto the road that's causing a constant flood that certainly needs to be looked at or a gully needs to be emptied? 0818 103 103. Uh, Speed is the issue. This is from John who says, I was in Fermanagh last week and on my way home, I was travelling at 100 kilometres per hour. I was left for dead on every road I travelled on. Everybody was passing me out and John kept looking at his own speedometer he was doing the legal limit of 100 kilometres per hour. So what were the others doing if they were all passing him out? I was driving to Mallow last Sunday morning and then travelling from Roskeen into Mallow. This car overtook me and I was definitely doing 100 kilometres per hour. I also noticed people looking at their phones when they're driving. I drove a truck one time and one day on the motorway to Dublin, I saw a guy, I just you not, with a laptop on his lap resting on the steering wheel and he was on his mobile phone while also driving at the same time and he was a truck driver. That's crazy kind of driving, isn't it? It really is crazy. John in Donnerill on Uber. Great idea, but I don't think it would work in this country as insurance would be too high. No one would be able to afford it. Taxi drivers are paying huge insurance. So if you're doing this on a part-time basis, the insurance would be down on you like a ton of bricks. But that's what I'm saying. In other countries, it's the very same issue. Taxi drivers and hackney drivers pay a lot more in their insurance, but Uber operates uh, differently including that they have their own system in place. I don't know if they have their own insurance policy, but they certainly have something what's called a partner protect uh, insurance. So it operates. We're not trying to invent the wheel with uh, Uber. It works very successfully in other countries. 0818 103 103. And on a completely different topic, your thoughts welcomed on this. Morning, Patricia. We're hearing about the increase in COVID cases and the strain that it may put on hospitals again. But I really think mask wearing should be brought back in, especially in medical settings. I have an elderly parent who caught COVID during a hospital stay recently. I'm really surprised at how nurses and indeed home health workers who are dealing in very close proximity to elderly people are going around from one person to another person with home helps. They're going from one house to another house and none of them are wearing masks. Isn't that exactly how the virus is spreading? Thanking you. So what people like to see in hospital settings, I thought the uh, Irish nurses and midwives organisation, Phil Nihay, she got called for that last year. 
late last year when we were starting to see COVID cases go uh, back up again. I'm sure she called for it as well. But how would others feel? Uh, the sister is not looking for all mask wearing out in public, but certainly anyone who's in a hospital setting, nursing home, or visiting elderly people, uh, particularly the professionals visiting elderly people, that they should be asked to wear masks. Would you agree uh, with that? And it is dreadful if you have an elderly, you know, parent or an elderly relative who goes into hospital for, you know, one type, type of condition ends up picking up COVID. I know in my own family we've an uh, elderly member of the family who were all, we've been really concerned about him over Christmas. Uh, he ended up in hospital in, it's up in Derry but he ended up in hospital. He had a, a lung issue going on and there was a bit of a panic over Christmas over him and lo and behold just as he was starting to get better he picked up COVID while in hospital and now he's in isolation and the, the worry is back again. So yeah, I know where you're coming from uh, on it but uh, yeah, do we need to go back to, to the hospitals and all of the medical, maybe when you're going to visit doctors' surgeries, would people like to see mask wearing brought back because of there has been an increase in COVID cases and that RSV, you remember that virus we spoke about on Christmas week? There's a huge increase in that as well. Your thoughts welcome to 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and business all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie Now tomorrow Thursday the new market Canturk Alzheimer Cafe will be held tomorrow morning between 11am and 1pm it provides a warm welcoming place for people living with dementia and their carers and this month the local community Garda will give a talk on safety and support services if you'd like to register you can give Karen a call on 087 3487511 Social dancing is going on in the Marion Hall in Ballinhasic on Friday night. Music is by Jer Healy, that's the singing Jarvie. Dancing is from 9 to 12 midnight. Admission 10 euro and it does include teas. And the Fromoy Panto Woody at the OK Corral is running running in the Palace Theatre in Fromoy this coming weekend, Friday the 5th of January. Tickets are available from GR8 events. Ah, you can get them directly from the Palace Theatre. And the Clonakilty Brass Band will host a gala brass band concert in the Cork School of Music five o'clock next Sunday. Tickets are available on eventbrite.com or from O'Donovan's Hotel in Clonakilty. Cork Today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie As we head into this brand new year, many of us set goals goals and priorities and as we mentioned yesterday clearing the clutter from our homes is a top job for many so to offer us advice I'm joined by Anne-Marie Kingston of White Sage Decluttering and good afternoon to you Anne-Marie. Good afternoon and happy new year Patricia and to all your listeners. And many happy uh, returns. Firstly why do you believe we end up with so much clutter in our homes? You know, Patricia, it's going back to, you know, back listening to our parents, our grandparents. You know, we were told to keep everything, hold it. It'll be handy sometime. And I suppose my, my big motto really over COVID, like I was kind of saying, you know, um, on my social media pages, you know, we're in a world pandemic. If we have not used these items that are above in the attic, in the spare room, in the box room, in the garage, whatever, if they haven't been used, this is a real time now to just, you know, 
have a good conversation with yourself and see, am I really going to use it? Because clutter is basically items that you haven't used in the last 12 to 18 months. Now, you will have the exceptions, obviously, like, you know, funeral clothing, occasional wearing items like that. But if it's not being used in the last 12 to 18 months, it is clutter. It's unwanted, unused and unloved. And yeah, and it, but is it hard to get rid of items that you feel you have a sentimental attachment to? Yeah, and everything in our home, Patricia, down to the pieces of paper, down to, you know, the Christmas gifts that came in at Christmas, everything has a connection, it has a link. And that's why we're very slow to let go because we don't want to offend people. We do a lot of people pleasing. I don't know, is it an Irish thing? But we're afraid. I've had clients, you know, over the years, you know, they have to produce the lamp they got as a wedding present 10 years ago when, when the person visits, you know, has to go on display. There's a lot of that too. But if there are sentimental items, I'd always say, you know, set up a keepsake box. It doesn't have to be anything, you know, um, out of the ordinary. Just a clear storage box. I'm all about clear boxes that you can see, label it with your keepsakes. And there'll be items that you'll be putting in. But you'll always kind of be reviewing it as well, you know. And there might be items that you'd like to display. Absolutely. But if there's items, you know, it could be, you know, I've come across, you know, love letters, pimpel letters, um, teeth from the tooth fairy you know different things like that you know you'll be surprised the things I've come across Patricia um, but you know put them in a box and keep them together I'm all about grouping this is how I always have worked and I suppose the way I'm wired is we group everything and when you group it you know exactly you put your hand on it yeah, and I like that idea of a, of a, a keepsake box. I I, I yeah. was doing a clear out from for my son after he'd well yes. flown the nest, and I decided yeah. to go clear out of the room because I needed the room to become a spare room for for visitors. And there was yes. so much, uh, and like some of it, I said, "Oh, I can't throw that out! I can't throw that out!" So that's exactly what I got. I got a box, and I said, "Okay, yeah. I'll fill this." And I've I've that keepsake box, and and yeah. every now and again he goes through it, and he might take bits out of it or, or whatever, but. I've I've managed to contain it all into a box. Absolutely. And that's the thing, you see, you know, when I go into homes, you know, it's like photos, different things. There could be, you know, something in the wardrobe, there could be another bit down in the utility, a bit in the kitchen, it could be in another box, in the attic. It's everywhere and anywhere. So I'm all about putting it together. And again, especially, you know, you've kind of nailed it there as well, you know, Patricia, if family have moved out, right, I come across this quite a lot. Where mothers especially, and I, I am convinced it's kind of the extension of the umbilical cord because, you know, we're free to throw things out, you know, just in case, you know. But ask them, you know, to say, look, these are your items. Do you want to take them? I find that a lot of kids who have set up their own homes, they've moved country, a lot of their clutter is still in mammy and daddy's house. Mm. And, and mammy and daddy that's really un- want that, to claim yeah. back their home. And that's a know? bit that's a bit unfair. That's a bit unfair too. Now, some people might say I'm a bit unfair in that, but you know what? You know, I've had clients and they've told me that the day they got married or not long after it, they were produced the boxes. There you go. <laughs> out you go. You've moved out and you move on. You know, it's really, you know, we need to just tackle the clutter, you know, whatever age it is or whatever age we are as well, because it is a continuous process. And especially, you know, and this is a great time as well, because there's still family members maybe might be around still for another while visiting and in the home place, you know, say, come on, let's dedicate maybe an hour, or a few hours. Let's tackle your room together while you're here. And then, you know, you're not throwing out things without their, without them knowing. 
because that's caused ruptures down the line because oh you threw that out because everyone's clutter is personal to everyone differently Patricia mm. Yeah somebody was saying I helped my sister last year she needed to clear her attic space I couldn't believe she had kept every single one of her children's school books uh, yes. she said we, yeah. we, we got rid of all of them but yeah, th- that's the kind of the crazy thing you keep that usher somebody will need that nobody's yeah. ever going to need that nobody nobody and you know the attic you know because again you know I was talking to Paul before we came on but you know the Christmas decorations and stuff this is your time now like to tackle your attic you know when you're taking down the decorations what's up in the attic while I'm here is there school books you know again you know I always say with school books and workbooks with the kids the minute the lads finish school like at the end of um, June, I'm basically going through those workbooks and copybooks. Now, I will keep the exceptions, you know, the kind of free, the free writing ones and the nice stories. But a lot of them are going straight into the recycling bin yeah. there and then. You need to nip it because all you're doing, Patricia, is you're just, you know, you're just procrastinating it. You're putting it on the long finger. You know, it's it's going to be on the never, never if you won't deal with it there and then. And you see what happens with clutter it has happened, you know, nobody has asked for clutter to come into the house. But over time, you know, life gets busy. We live, you know, we live busy lives. Sickness comes in, debt, we move house, whatever the case may be. And that little seed, I always say, you know, it starts to multiply and grow. And before you know it, you're saying, oh, my God, how have things got so bad? And then you, get, yeah, and then you get overwhelmed by it all. And yes. it seems an impossible uh, task. It's a huge S- task. Stay- if you can stay on top of it, you'll absolutely be. It's a game changer. OK, stay with the Christmas decorations uh, for, yes. for a moment. Now, for some, they've already. Yeah. I bet you yours are already down, are they? Uh, there's two. I have. I was just plucking another few bits down oh, right before I was waiting for the car. Uh, no, I have okay. two Christmas trees. They will be gone. I'd say in the next day or two. I'm usually, to be quite honest, Chris Saint Stephen's Day. I was plucking down. Oh, um, don't say that. Don't say that. My cards were gone. You know, I. You see, I suppose Christmas now, Patricia. You see, it kind of goes on for so long. It does. It kind of goes on from does. August, September. It's not like you know when I grew up as a small child, forty odd years ago. You know, Christmas was kind of maybe two weeks. Yeah. And that was a two, three you're weeks. Right. It's going on forever right. and you're, ever. You're right, you're right. But for, but for those of us that hate the idea yes. of the Christmas decorations coming down, they're there at least until the weekend. So yes, when, we, when we start to take them down, what, what mm-hmm. are your top tips about the Christmas decorations? With the decorations, whatever didn't go up this Christmas, review it. I'd always say when you're putting down, first of all, I suppose just go back as one step. When you are putting up the decorations, what didn't go up this Christmas? You know, we're always buying, you know, we're all because, again, Christmas starts so early. We're we're putting up Christmas Day. We're buying bits and pieces. If there's something coming in, there should be something going out. You have to balance because otherwise you're going to have loads of decorations. So if there's decorations or bobbles that are broken or not, you know, lights aren't working, out they go straight away. You know, get a good a big storage box. I know the storage boxes will be flying out of done stores in every hardware shop now in the next few days. They're great weeks. though. They're they're great. They are brilliant. Yeah. And I would say put them into clear boxes and label them and just put I put all my bobbles into one. I got a fantastic um unit for lights. It kinda of, it's like a wheel. So I can wrap, it'll be my first time using it though, um, next week or later in the week. So you basically, it's a kind of a coil and you just put the lights around them so they won't be knotted um, mm-hmm. for next year. Or what I did up to now was literally a piece of cardboard, I think it was off a Play-Doh box, and I literally wrapped the Christmas lights around them. So at least then, please God, for Christmas, uh, December, 
at the end of the year that they won't be a big ball of mess when you're trying to untangle I'll, it. I'll give you my tip that I got many, many years ago. You know yeah. the inside roll of a yes. tin foil or cling film. It's, yeah. it's quite a it, hard yeah. piece yeah. of plastic and you yeah. wrap your light. And I have yeah. lights that I've been going for years because I wrap them and I never have that problem with the ball of lights. And you see people every year on social media trying Absolutely. to detangle this ball of lights. <laughs> Don't be doing it. Yeah. Don't Absolutely. be doing it. And we're trying to make things as easy as possible for us. So like, you know, get storage box or storage boxes, get like, as I call it, the body bags, you know, the big uh, tree, Christmas tree bags for yeah. the Christmas tree. Just get organized. And this is a great time when you're putting up the items. Is there items above in the attic that can be coming back down against you? And kind of, and you know, start with baby steps as well, Patricia. I'd say set your phone. I always say it. Set your phone or Fitbit for 10 or 15 minutes and say, do you know what? Because once you get focus, that's what we need. It's focus and time is the biggest things with decluttering. Now, there's overwhelm and all the emotions that are coming up as well with it. But, you know, start with baby steps. Start with items that are, that are not, they're not sentimental, you know, that there's no kind of link to, you know. And once you've that started, then that's where you kind of break it down into small chunks. And it is, it's very achievable. Yeah. Now, I, I set a goal this year. I'm, the, I'm determined within the next mm-hmm. month to clear up my wardrobe. What, what's the rule of thumb? I was saying yesterday, if I haven't worn something in 12 months, is, is yep. that the Get rid of it. So, yeah, so that's the way I was trained and that's the way I would have always, I suppose, um, been wired and worked. Um, I'd always say if you haven't used in the last 12 to 18 months, ask yourself why. Again, first of all, your wardrobe has to fit. It has to flatter and make you feel good. So, again, you know, with new resolutions, new year, new beginnings, Patricia, you know, we don't want to be opening the wardrobe and say, oh, my God, there's nothing fitting inside there. Start trying items on. You know, I'd always say try items on. See why aren't you wear it? You know, I know myself after, and I've shared this numerous times on my own page and with yourselves, but, you know, I know myself, you know, as a 43-year-old, my body has changed three, total three different times in my pregnancy. Our bodies are always changing. So your wardrobe has to be real time right now, not when I lose five stone, not when I'll have my bunion, you know, removed. You know, we can keep going on the never, never list, but, you know, get your wardrobe working for you. And we need very little. Because we're only wearing, we're only wearing, we're only wearing the I, same things over and over again. Anyway, yeah. I think it's um, 80 percent, twenty percent, eighty percent, twenty percent of the time. Eighty percent is what we wear. Twenty percent, oh yeah, twenty percent of our wardrobe we wear eighty percent of the, the time. time. Yeah. So we wear very, very little. That's very little when you break it down. And I always say, you know, if you're buying stuff now, because again. You know, sales season is on. We see those lovely red flashing lights in front of us and stickers, and there's emails and everything coming on. You know, and there's emails coming into the inbox and a lot of you'll see it again on social media, sales, sales, sales. Again, I always say, and I've had numerous conversations with myself, uh, Patricia, <laughs> inside in the changing room, is will I wear it 30 times or will I use that utensil 30 times? And it has caught my, like, you know, we all suffer from emotional buying. We buy because we want to make ourselves happy. Maybe the hobby isn't, you know, helping out as much as you'd like. Maybe the kids are driving you crazy and you can't wait to drop them to school next Monday morning, you know. <laughs> We buy items, you know, because we need to feel, you know, we need a pickup. We need to feel, you know, we, as I always say, we need a kind of fuzzy feeling. Some people get it from chocolate or from wine. Some people get it from, you know, handing over their credit card, adding something to the cart. And then it's like, oh, no, what have I ordered? And that's where regret comes in. You know, you must remember our clutter was once money as well, Patricia, when you look around your home. That's a good way of, of thinking of it. Yeah, oh, um, really, like yeah. that was money. 
Yeah, and I, and I think one of the worst things is to start shopping online if you have a glass of wine, oh. a, a glass of wine oh, in you yeah. on a Friday night. It's just <laughs> lethal. Yeah, Absolutely. the worst thing. Move away yeah. from the phone or the, or, or, or the iPad. Yeah. Now, I've yeah. said the um, giving the kitchen a good declutter. Somebody's asking yes. about that. Where do you start? I'd always start, the three areas I'd always start, like, you know, when you look around your kitchen, right, the biggest things that people want, you know, when people talk to me and clients talk to me, they want clear worktops. They want to be able to see everything. First place I tell um, your listeners um, this morning is to tackle, is your food cupboard. And when I say your food cupboard, and I don't, you know, I don't, I've been compared to Marie Kondo all my life. I don't do Marie Kondo style. I've come up with my own, developed my own systems, my own way of decluttering for the last 40 years. And what I do is do shelf by shelf. Why? Because there'll be no overwhelm. If the doorbell rings or if you need to collect someone or something happens, at least you're not coming home to a total mess, Patricia. Mm. So I'm saying do it shelf by shelf. Handle everything. You will be surprised. And I've gone into homes and they're like, when did you tackle the food cupboard last? Oh, six months ago. But And I always say it, you will still find that sneaky mixed <laughs> herbs from 1989 inside <laughs> the back of the press. No, well, I, I would be a millionaire for every time I say this. But take everything out. Check the dates. I'm telling you, I've come out of homes with bags, bags, 11, 12 bags of uh, food gone out of date. You know, use everything up first. You know, and again, that's what I've done now this year. Like, you know, since I started, I'm buying very little. I'm only buying the basics. I'm literally in my fridge freezers initially down to the basics and I'm letting that run right down and then I'll restock. Yeah, it's the one way of getting to everything it's that's the in there. It's the only way to yeah, get it yeah. Use it up because we go out to know again, you know, buy two, you know, at the moment there's probably, they're trying to get rid of stock, you know, half price, get one, buy, get one free, do you know, this kind of thing. Do you need the extra one free? Probably not. Use up everything. Um, it's like the clothes. We're using the same foods all the time. We could nearly put money on it. What we, like some people might have certain days for certain, you know, the, the ham and the veg, the curry, whatever it may be. We use up everything. Then I would say the next place would be to tackle would be your appliances. Set up an appliance press. Have all your electricals in one press. What I find so much is there is a bit of, there could be the mixer um, out in the utility. You might have some, some other part of it in the kitchen. We can't find anything. I'm all about grouping. When you group things together, it'll absolutely change your life. So that would be, first of all, so it would be the food press. Second of all, then, would be the um, the appliances, putting all your appliances together. And then see, like, paperwork is a huge thing as well that gathers in kitchens. You know, again, mm-hmm. okay, we'll have the Christmas cards, but post. Dedicate an area or a press, or if you have a home office, okay, this is where the post goes. Because there you'll find post in every glass cabinet that you can see. It's for everyone to see. And a lot of it, you know, we don't need to keep it. It's literally open the post, Patricia, when it comes in. Tackle it. A lot of it could be maybe a receipt or it could be junk mail that you don't want straight away for recycling. Obviously, if there's personal information on it, that needs to be shredded. Um, and that's a big thing because I see it so much in my line of work. And I suppose that's how I set up my confidential shredding as well, because, you know, I have gone into recycling centres in West Cork and I have done lives from there to say I could literally... John Murphy, like living house number one and all their information. People don't realise, you know, Patricia, where their information is going. Yeah, so you do need to be careful on that. And it's a huge, I am absolutely so, I'm absolutely like painful, I suppose, about it, but I'm very conscious of it. And I'm always trying to, I suppose, educate people, you know, don't just throw your stuff in the bin. 
I've gone, you know, I've come back from sessions and initially, do you know, a credit card would be ripped in half. You could still stick it back together and read the Yeah, the make sure, make sure things it are, needs are, to are be shredded. shredded. Yeah. Or if you and, have and, when, just, and when you are clearing out, I mean, obviously some is, is going to have to go for the, to the bin or to the civic uh, yeah. amenity centre. But you, you're a big fan of donation to charity shops. Absolutely. So like when I, when I, I'm very lucky here in Clannacilty that I have nearly over seven charity shops here that I support and I try to spread as much love to every one of them well as done. possible. And I also support, I must give a, a big um, shout out as well to St. Vincent de Paul in Domenua. Um Jackie and the girls over there are amazing. And, um, you know, every, every charity shop is different. You know, certain, so many Certain ones will take certain items. So I've been very lucky, I suppose, over the years through networking, through my years in the Bank of Ireland, um, that I have built up fantastic relationships with these charity shops. And I know exactly what they take and what they don't take. No, there will be certain items, obviously, electrical items that are absolutely working in perfect condition that they won't take, obviously, for insurance purposes. And I get that. So what I do, I take the onus of myself and I do explain this to my clients that, you know, anything that the charity shops won't sell, I put it up in the free page here in Clannacilty. It's a free swap and donate page. No money exchange, exchanges hands. And what I do is I put it up and I'm telling you, I've had from knitting looms, knitting machines. I have had everything and anything that you could. And they will be items that you I might never come across again. But they will, um, they're gone. They're snapped up straight away for me. Yeah. So yeah. I'm all about rehoming. You yeah. know, or there's a there's a place, you know, and I've you know, and I have been known to go into the ad um bin in the chair or the recycling and pull things out because there's <laughs> stuff being dumped. I know that shouldn't you know, be dumped. They, it shouldn't, they be shouldn't be dumped. It shouldn't be dumped. All right. And see, and then, I know it's just easier to throw it out. And then I know you're you're a, you're you're the pro, you're the professional de- declutterer. When people call you in uh, to help out uh, mm-hmm. Amory, are they embarrassed sometimes about the oh, clutter? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. One thousand. And what do you say to thing. get over that? The biggest thing, I suppose, when clients, um, I suppose, potential clients contact me first, um, I ask um, to see pictures of the areas. Now, that's the only way. That's the only way I can actually, like, I suppose, see what's involved, how I can price it correctly, because it's impossible otherwise. So there's absolutely the shame, the embarrassment. They feel I'm going to judge them. If there was clutter up to the ceilings, I wouldn't judge anyone. It does not matter. It doesn't. Nothing phases me because I'm at this so long. And um, the more clutter for me, the better, because I absolutely love the challenge. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, um, you know, it's, you know, once I mean, you see, I suppose, you know, they've been following me for a long time, probably on social media. Some people just come across me. But once they're in, they know how I work. You know, within a few minutes, there's a transformation. Five or six minutes and they're like, oh, OK, and now I know how you work. And we're basically, Patricia, we're handling every single thing. Handy. That's the only way you're going to do it. Where people go wrong is, you know, I've had calls down through the years. Oh, I want to get organised. The only way you're going to get organised, ladies, is you're going to actually, you're going to declutter. You're all you're doing is basically you're moving the clutter around the house and it's not going out. And that's where people where people fail big time. They're not getting the clutter out of the house fast enough. So once you have a bag ready or you have a box of crockery ready to go, get that rid of it. Gone out of your house get rid of it. Straight away. Yeah. Within 24 hours, that has to be gone. Because Good. what you're going to do, it's going to move back in. And you're going to see no transformation, no results. Well, you're always full of great advice. Love chatting with you, Anne-Marie. Listen, oh, once again, you. Happy New Year. We'll speak again, no doubt. But thanks for joining us. Uh, good morning. Thanks good afternoon to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Anne-Marie Kingston of White Sage Anticlutter. And uh, just wrapping up with some of your final comments coming in. We mentioned about COVID and somebody was saying with so much COVID out and about, should people in the health 
areas like hospitals, doctors, nurses, home helps, should they all be back wearing masks? Uh, some of your thoughts on that. Hi Patricia regarding COVID. I think it was completely wrong that all of the shops and businesses have now removed the hand sanitising stations from the entrance to and from their businesses. I'm wearing a mask while out in shops etc. It's a pity. The people coughing and spluttering all around can't do the right thing and stop spreading germs everywhere thanking you. And then John Hannon, who is a spokesperson for Alpha One, which is a lung uh, condition, says, Hi, Patricia, I agree 100%. The people working in the medical field should, of course, be continuing to wear masks. However, anyone with an underlying condition must take responsibility for themselves and should wear a mask in any area of risk. We cannot always rely on others to protect uh, us. And that's from John Hannon, who I hope you're keeping well, uh, John. And you're right. And that's why you will see people out and about who have continued to wear masks, even when we no longer need to wear masks. And and I always think when I see somebody wearing a mask, I always think of that it's very possible that they have an underlying health condition or maybe somebody at home has an underlying health condition and that they're doing their bit so as not to, to, you know, to catch anything or not to spread anything. So I think it's, it's really responsible of people who, who do decide uh, to do it. And then another listener says, Trisha, am I correct in saying that there was public health advice in the lead up to Christmas that babies and small children were supposed to cocoon around the festive season? Unfortunately, I'd say very few parents adhered, adhered to that. Why should all the onerous be on the elderly and the healthcare workers all of the time? Well, it was in particular newborn babies they were asking and that was because of that RSV virus and they were suggesting that if you had a newborn baby, I think it was babies up to the age of six, I don't think it was small children it was babies up to the age of six months they were suggesting to keep them away from anyone who, where they might have picked up RSV because RSV was particularly troublesome and is particularly troublesome for the very old and for the very young uh, as well so yes there was a suggestion asking people to uh, cocoon and Michael says Hi Patricia, Happy New Year to you and all the team, many happy returns Michael I really feel people, oh, on speed. I really feel people have to reduce their speed and take account of weather and take account of particular road conditions. People are scary in the way they actually drive. It really annoys me when you see posts on social media saying where the Gardaí and the speed vans are. They should also be aware that they are alerting criminals to the fact that Gardaí are ahead, particularly people who decide to flash their cars to let people know that there might be a Garda speed check ahead. They... those people need to be dealt with severely by the law. I also think we definitely need Uber especially in rural areas as there are simply not enough taxis uh, operating anymore. Those blocking them have vested interests and that's fine in cities but rural areas are left with no service yet again says Michael who very much wants to say bring on the Uber but somebody else who says just on the Uber saying Uber isn't the answer to everything. Yes it does work in other countries that I've been highlighting but quite honestly says this texter who I'm assuming is somebody who's travelled a lot for the drivers they make very little money in America for example the gig work nets very little for drivers because of big expenses 
I can't see it working here, says that uh, texter. Okay, and one final one in. Somebody wants to know, hi Patricia, are we getting the increase for the old age pension? Is that coming in uh, Friday? Yes, I'm assuming all social welfare uh, will be increasing by 12 euro was announced in the budget and it's due to start at the start of January. So I'm assuming, yes, it'll kick in from this week. Okay, that's where I've got to leave it for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara uh, for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. We're back with you for Thursday's edition of the programme tomorrow at 10. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie.